This is not a test. This is not a test. Hi, it's T. <laughs> hey, guys. It's okay. And, <laughs> and it's uh, Charnel. And uh, where, what did you do podcasts? Uh, bum, bum, bum. And we're back. Hey there. For how long? Hey I don't there, know. Hey you can't make promises. I'm not. But we're back. Yeah, I'm not going to make any promises on Mike. Right. But, like, you and I will have conversations about what it looks like, but for now, we're holding on to the whole this month thing. Right, we're, we're trying for <laughs> once a month, but you know, I didn't say that. She said that. I said this. <laughs> like oh. when I made the, when we made the promise that hey, we're coming back in July. Like it is still July, so ha. Well, in the final hour, as we always exactly. do, exactly. We show up. on time. Call me Michael. I Jordan. mean, to be fair, I took a vacation, and I deserve. So that's it. I mean, I'm technically on a summer vacation, too, but, like, anybody who follows my life anywhere knows that I don't vacate. Uh, if that's the... Is that the verb? Yeah, I think so. Is the verb vacate? I think you so. You wouldn't know why. You wouldn't know because, you know, you just don't do it. I don't do it. Right. So, but we found some time. We found some energy, and it is... It feels It feels like riding a bike. I feel like we're right back in the, right back in the habit here. I, I guess. I'll let you know if it feels like riding a bike at the end of the episode, uh, I don't know how much I will be stuttering and stammering, so we'll see. I've literally spent the last, like, what, eight months of my life trying to be a better public speaker and using less ums and you knows and obviously, like, politics life. So, like, trying to... Do they know that? Did you announce that on the podcast? I feel like we came back in November, but I feel like we should say something. Yeah, guys, <laughs> so first off... Life updates, right? D has a home. I have a home. Yes, I feel like I you, you had guys, a home last time. Yes, too. I did have a home last time. We're still making updates. Um, also, I am licensed, so I'm a licensed social worker. So that, woo, um, that's it. I'm not clinical, so I'm not diagnosing people. Although in my mind, I do all the time. But I am licensed. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> Don't we all? And Chanel, what's going on with you? I mean, a lot has happened. A lot is happening. I, I mean, over the last what six months, seven months, um, whatever, a lot has happened. I got another expensive piece of paper, um, which surprisingly has not come to me yet. But I called. They're like, they were mailed out. You're fine. But another expensive piece of paper. I got a master's in what is it? Criminal justice and human security. Because why not keep going to school? Um, <laughs> I don't have that. Um, yeah, I I've, I was looking the other day, like, maybe if I got, like, a degree and, you know, I can't help myself. I like to learn, but I realize I had to teach myself that I can learn without having to go back to school. Like, you can read a book. Like, you don't exactly. have to read a book and pay for it. Right. So I'm trying to teach myself that because I'm a type of person that I need an end goal for me to keep doing something. I need something that's going to be motivating me, and learning is not enough. I need to be able to prove that I'm learned. Um, it might be the black thing, right? Like, because people don't believe that you know what you're talking about all the time when you when you speak with authority but um, i'm going with it's actually a libra thing that's what i'm going with i'm gonna i'm gonna take 
a ventured guess at that and just say it's not that yeah. only because I feel like I feel like it has a lot more to do with like childhood trauma than it has to do with the position of the stars when I was born. But I, <laughs> so I think it's, a, it's the fact that like I got punched in the face at seven versus. Oh my god, <laughs> that got dark. Like D's are failing, Charnel. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm not adequate, you know. But um, I kid, I kid, but not really. Uh, but other than that, I became an adoptive parent since the last time I think we were here. I was fostering my niece right. um, as of June, end of June. Um, I'm a legal legal parent. Like, I am a father on a birth certificate. Uncle Daddy. Now. That's wild to me. Exactly. So, like, a lot of things have happened. A lot of things have changed. I'm also running for state senate here in Connecticut. Big things, big um, things. Yeah, and so if you haven't yet, go check out my website. Also, feel free to donate. Um, <laughs> because... In politics, money makes the world go round, and I'm not ashamed to say that, unfortunately, but we are a grassroots campaign who are campaigning on what you might think I am, on the fact that the most vulnerable among us need to be protected and supported and propped up, so that way we can live lives that are fruitful and successful in the framework that we build. Other than that, that's been my life. I'm happy to be, again, it feels, for me, it feels like riding a bike. I feel like, even though my my environment right now that I'm recording in has changed, I feel like this is the same. Again, I don't know what's going to happen until I'm like, you know, 30 minutes deep into this podcast. And I'll be like, uh, oh, training reels, riding bike, or am I like falling on my face? We'll find out. Just ankle deep. Ankle deep in blood and murder? Yikes. You shouldn't be thrilled. But I, <laughs> it, is, it is a true crime podcast. So if you come to a true crime podcast and don't expect to hear about violence or grotesque human nature then i'm i'm sorry you missed the boat you were, especially you went to if charnel is picking the case let's preference that i don't know what that means i don't know what that means look charnel <laughs> does things that feel right the right way the first time that's how i operate so the cases i pick are are in, interesting and they are exciting to investigate you know it's nice to know what makes people tick that's what, kind of why we're here right i mean we started this podcast to talk about like you know the mental health aspect of things and the socioeconomic pieces in this case today i think we get to explore a few layers of what that looks like about trauma right. we get to explore um like trigger warnings also for people yeah. like there's a lot of domestic violence uh, physical and sexual abuse, uh, sexual assault that is mentioned um, in this episode. Incest as we, well. Incest as well. There you go. Thank you. And so, like, we, we, we're going to venture through a lot of layers, and this is going to be a lot, this is, like, profile-heavy episode. My right, favorites. Right. So, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting dive. I think this is a case that a lot of people have heard before, or at least heard of, even if they've never d- dived in, dove in themselves. Uh, so, as we do here, what did you do? I'm a gentleman, so Dee, I'll let you uh, take us away. So, we're talking about Fred and Rosemary West. Um, I don't know if you guys heard of them, but you're going to hear about them, and they were quite the couple. Um, you know, these type of relationships that I like to avoid, and you guys should all avoid too. But we're going to start off by talking about Fred because Fred, I think, is the catalyst for a lot of things that happens to Rose. I mean, she has quite a bit of her own past, but uh, Fred is, well, Fred is Fred. So let's start with Fred. 
Fred was born September 29, 1941 at Brickton Cottage. I just want to stop you really quick. So remember how we were talking about, I think it's a Libra thing. This man is also a Libra. So like, that's why. So see how I'm saying it doesn't make sense. These two things don't correlate. Causation is not correlation. Go ahead. I will find (laughs) similarities to you with this. No, I won't. Don't you, don't you dare. I'll hang up right now. Okay, so let me, okay, so it's Brickton Cottage, Much Merkle, Heathersford, Shire, yeah, okay, we're in England, this you guys. Is, this is we're, the UK, we're, yeah, the UK, I was like, we're not, I can't do this. Gloucester was throwing me, Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire? Kicking, kicking me in the throat, yeah, <laughs> there was just names. He was the first child of Walter and Daisy, Walter was, sorry, and Daisy Hannah, you see, like, Hannah Hill. See, already I've hit my mic with my hand. Like, already. Because I talk with my hand. So, already. We're going to work through it. We're going to get through Um, So, they grew up on a farm. They were quite lower class. Um, I believe he had seven siblings, and he was the first one. Um, So, he was always his mother's favorite. She was super overprotective of him. Um, he describes his father as the disciplinarian in the family. Um, yeah, you just get uncomfortable talking about sex and families, but here I go anyway. I'm, I'm, I believe in you. <laughs> I believe in you because re- usually you leave this to me. Right. Like, I could, However, what's funny is I we've been planning to do this for a while. And you said, you know, yeah. like we said, life came up. I have read this many times and then like. Saying it out loud is something else, but the relationship between his mother and Fred was inappropriate. She's the one who introduced him to sex around, what, 16, 17 years old? Um, so they had a relationship sexual in nature. So this is not your usual mother's boy type situation. Around the age of 17, and we've talked about this when we did the caveat, like you know, thing about head trauma, Fred gets into a motorcycle accident where he has skull fractures, broken bones. He was unconscious for seven months um, mm-hmm. outside of this accident. Like he, I, like when he woke up, he was like fear. He'd be in fearful of hospitals and he had aggression. He had the sudden aggression. It'll turn on on the drop of a dime. He just became aggressive, which sometimes happens when you have a traumatic brain injury. June 1961, um, his 13-year-old sister becomes pregnant. Fred's 13-year-old sister becomes pregnant. And she tells his her mother that the father of the child is Fred. So, again, we talked about his mom having relationships with him that were inappropriate, sexual in nature. Um, it seems like he starts to molest his sibling um, and raper, and he was actually arrested for this and molesting several other girls. So at this time, he's already a sexual deviant. Um, but he goes to trial. His mom actually defends him, but and he gets off. He doesn't have any charges, but his parents essentially kick him out of the house. Yeah, I... So one of the things I, I, as I was like researching for this and going over this, like everyone, again, I said everyone knows of this, even if they don't know the details, but 
one like we talk about this a lot on this show because a lot like there's a lot of cases that always include like violence towards young people um and we're having conversations about like sexualization of children like a lot of people like in the media today i would say right-wing media they're having conversations about like oh everyone's grooming our kids like sexualization is what happened to fred right and it was happening to his sister when kids are introduced to sex um and outside of the the framework that kids normally learn about it right and so the when we're thinking about little kids like little kids have a sexuality like we, they just don't operate in it because their brains their you know biological and emotional functions aren't geared towards that just yet right um and the only reason I bring that up is, is specifically because of how kids usually learn about sex. When we become aware, like, you, you have the kids who are the ones who are, like, playing doctor or playing house because they saw something on TV. They walked in on mom and dad or whatever. They understand that there's an intimacy part of that, right? That only happens when people are somewhat close or know each other, right? And you know it's reserved for that space. And now when that's happening with your parent, who you know in that space, your parent is your caretaker, they're your protector, your provider, not a romantic, you know, piece. Kids understand romance, right? They understand princesses and princesses. They understand that's not your mom, that's not your dad, right? And so when you come through a life, a life of being traumatized, abused, um, and molested by your parents, those lines are now blurred, right? You no longer are drawing those really clear boundaries and borders around what's appropriate and what's autonomy and what's agency um, when it comes to one yourself, right. but also like the There's relationships no you build. Like there anymore. are no, like usually it's the familial piece that is like the hard line. And if that's gone, then you're like, sex is whatever. So like, right. Right. And so like, you can see um, again, aggression being the, uh, like the 30% of people with TBIs, um, exhibit aggressive behavior afterward, like that paired with the trauma he already had and his, and his kind of skewed view of what's acceptable, um, physically, a lot of things were playing into this. So it's, I find it interesting that his parents disowned him though. I will say this, like, is it mom disowning you or parents disowning you because now their stuff is public? Or is it because she's upset that she's not number one anymore, and that you got because I mean yeah, and I was think it okay up until the point like where his sister was a victim? Case, I think that we have did she to, know about the other women that he was molesting? Like all like, those the mind of abusers, right? Where there are those uh, I don't want to say maternal relationships, but those relationships between a mom and a son where. Um, which is maternal by definition, but you know what I'm saying as far as nurturing pieces right. are involved, right? Those relationships where if there is sexual abuse involved, there is a sense of ownership or actual like genuine relationship that the abuser may or may not feel because it's their way of justifying, you know, moral behavior. And so now that, you know, mom isn't, you know, his his significant other, so to speak, that could be part of it. You know, it could be the fact that, like, I don't want anything to do with you. Now you're defiled, you're dirty because you took it outside of our home. Like, there's all these things that happen that I've heard about, read about, been privy to um, in my own, like, life and line of work. So it is it is a, a messy, messy topic. And it, there's so many layers sometimes. And you can't really find too much about Fred's mom anywhere anymore. No. And after that, it was the last thing that they mentioned is that... They kicked him out, and they kicked him out, and he moved in with his aunt Violet in the mid-1962s. 
Um, he <laughs> didn't reconcile not with sixty twos. The sixty twos. <laughs> he didn't reconcile with the relationship, but like the, with his parents. So I guess they had some kind of makeup, but they were still disconnected after that. So he moves in with his aunt. And this is around the time where he met his first wife, Catherine, or Rena, everyone calls her Rena, Costello. Um, apparently he met her at a dance hall. Um, and then she goes back to Scotland, I guess where she was originally from. Mm. Then she goes back to England. And the assumption is that she comes back to England because her parents are upset that she had gotten pregnant by a man who was of Asian descent. And <laughs> I guess that was frowned upon that time. What, 62? Like, I mean, that time. I mean, if you go to 2022, there are people out here who are thinking the same exact way. Right. But Fair. there's a lot more explicit in the right. 60s. But you're right. You so know. she moves back to England because her family's unhappy and they didn't approve that the child was going to be of mixed race. And this is where she reconnects her friend. Um, they started off by living at his aunt's house. Then eventually they get his, they get their own like place to live. And the job that Fred has at this time, which I thought was hilarious, was an ice cream truck driver. Because of the proximity to children, which I feel like this is also a trend with guys who have these behaviors especially towards young women which we will talk about later so she has her daughter and of course she's of mixed race um they do get married and the way that they explain that why the daughter is of mixed race because you could tell she's clearly not fred's is be is by saying that they had miscarriages and eventually adopted her. So that's how they kind of wrap that up in a neat little package for people in the community. Can we talk about like how like racism is so weird? Like, I, <laughs> like I, I don't want to mean to laugh at it, but like people's parents and neighbors, you know, community members would be upset. Cause I think the, the child was Pakistani. Um, Right, having, you know, having this this darker skinned child was going mm-hmm. to be horrific. Right, it was something that they were worried about that people would frown upon. People would look differently, judge them, you know. But if that baby dies, and then you just happen to pick one that is of the same background, it's more accepted because are you say is it white saviorism when you're saving them? Like, and it's cool because you're about to give them a life that they never would have had anyone. You're going to raise them, quote unquote, right? Like, I was so confused as to how that's an explanation. I'm like, why is you're still having a brown child? Like, it's like, at least this one, like you have, you've not been defiled by a brown man. Like, I, I, people make me, people just, the way that racism, like in, in brains work blows my mind that weird justification in the there, yeah like the, <laughs> the justification for the actions and behaviors are um very interesting when you look at racism because it doesn't make any sense not at all so because we, <laughs> <laughs> we'll stay there all day um so they also have their own daughter in um 1964 her name is Anne marie and then they hire a nanny her name is Issa mcneil and then through Issa McNeil, the family gets equated to Anna McFall. I she was sixteen, I believe. 
Yes. Yes. And I guess she was going through her own experiences with a heartbreak at the time. You're 16. I mean, whatever. I think her boyfriend died. Yeah. She was grieving over her. Yeah, her boyfriend's dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And decided to basically, she didn't live with the West, but she spent a lot of time with the West family. Right. Um, and if you see, like, so, so far, so good, right? We get married. He takes in this kid that essentially isn't his. They have another kid. They get a nanny. They meet the friend. So far, so good, you would think. But in actuality, Fred was a hot mess. Um, Fred was consistently unfaithful throughout the marriage. Um, I think he had other children outside of the marriage as well. I don't know if he ever claimed them. Yeah, there's no way in the world that as yeah. promiscuous as he and Rose were that, like, people aren't who the like, kids aren't who they say they are. So he's fathered other kids. There's no way. Yeah, no. I mean, they mentioned, like, perhaps having one, but he probably could have definitely had more. And, you know, Rena finds out about this, and she's no bitch. <laughs> Again, toxicity. Like this whole relationship is toxic, and <laughs> toxic. And so she decides to have her own, I guess, affair with this guy named John. What McLennan? I cannot say names that start with MC. And I'm not is allowed to say anything about it because then people say I'm making fun of you. So <laughs> they're <laughs> right. Or it's you could just say the name. You could say the name for me. <laughs> And just yeah, but, then, but then where's the fun in that? <laughs> wow. Yeah. So anyways, she has her own affair as well. Um, with this guy, John. And I guess when Fred discovered it, now, again, he's having numerous affairs. When Fred discovers it, they get into a big fight with John. It, it's just a big mess. So there's a lot of drama within the household. To make matters worse, on November 4th, 1965, Fred ran over and accidentally killed a boy in the neighborhood. Um, He was clear of any wrongdoing, which I don't know how that happens. Like, I understand manslaughter, I understand, like, you know, accidents, but I I just don't understand. No jail time? Okay. Okay. So, yeah, I guess they decided to move. Um, and I don't know. It, it wasn't successful, so they move into, like, a caravan town. And I feel like they spend the majority of their time in this little caravan town. Like, it's, like, I don't know, like, a trailer, like, trailer community, I guess, type living environment. So that's where they ended up. But they ended up moving out of that neighborhood because the neighbors were pissed <laughs> about the situation. So in this, he decides to become, I guess, increasingly violent. I don't know what was keeping him together before, but now he's getting violent and um, begins sexually abusing Charmaine, who was his stepdaughter. Um, and then he encourages his wife to start prostituting um, because they need money, obviously. And Rena had had enough. So she basically tries to devise a plan where the boyfriends will come or her, her John, whoever this guy she was having an extramarital affair with, would come get her. And I guess around this time, Anne, who was a 16-year-old who was mourning the death of her boyfriend, started to fall in love with Fred. Because of this, she, they suspect that Anne was the one who told 
that Rena was leaving. This becomes a huge fight. Rena leaves anyways, but Charmaine ends up staying, and I believe Anne ends up staying. And I think Isa and Rena end up leaving. And, you know, Fred threatens if he ever sees Rena again, he will, you know, kill, kill Rena. So that's where the relationship is left. And so remember, she's leaving her children with Fred. Um, yes. Who is, huh? I said yes. Yes. Who is sexually abusing Charmaine. So that we already know what's going on. And he's having a relationship with Anna at this point. Um, so <laughs> Anne becomes so in love with Fred um, that she wants him to divorce Rena and she wants to fill her spot. She's 18 at this month, at this time. So it's 1967. And she's also eight months pregnant with Fred's child where suddenly she vanishes. No more Anna. No one knows where she is. Which again, we talked about this. It doesn't matter what, I feel like it doesn't matter what country you're in, like in the seventies and sixties when people disappeared, like it was one of those things where people would look but it wasn't like no one raised alarms in the way that they would be. Part of it is the communication piece, right? Like, it is hard to communicate in the way that we can now. Like, I can send you a text and be outside your door. You will get that. Or say, hey, in 30 minutes, I'll be at your house. You just have to hope that we plan a time for you to show up in the 70s that you were just going to show up at four, right? Right. And so, like, when people would go missing or people would go looking for work, like, in this in this time, like, even this, right? Like, people just picked up jobs, like, like, Fred went from an ice cream truck driver to something else and something else. Like people are just picking up things as they went. So it's such a weird time to, to go missing. So while people are concerned, right? Like there's, there's that, there's almost that abstract, well, you know, you know, kids will be kids or young people will be young people attitude around it. Right. So. And those are those times. We're definitely living in those times, which allows them to get away with a lot of things later that we will talk about. So, um, so at this point, I, there was a point where the kids are with Fred. He tries to like place them in the care of Gloucestershire, Gloucestershire <laughs> social services, but he it was only temporary. The kids, um, Charmaine, and what was the their daughter's name, Anne Marie, end up yes. back in his care again. There's a lot of I feel like there are a lot of children in this, by the way. There is. Um, and then with Rena going back and forth visiting Charmaine occasionally, but essentially they're not together anymore. I don't think they ever got a divorce though. And then, uh, what's the phrase? Um, so around this time, 1969, shortly after Rosemary Lett's 15th birthday, she first encounters Fred. Initially, she does not think he's attractive. She's repulsed. He's unkempt. Um, but then she learns that he's a single father caring for two kids. I think that kind of wins her over and they begin to date. So mind you, at this point in time, Frederick West is 27 years old. He is a once married father of two traumatized 27 year old man who encounters a 15 year old girl. Right. And so as we walk through this, the rest of this uh, case, like we're going to have to talk about 
the fact that this grown man has met this, we're going to talk about her trauma, traumatized 15-year-old right. girl who is impressed. Let's talk about it. At a man who she doesn't find attractive, but impressed as a man who is seen as taking care of his kids when what she knows as a father is the opposite, right? So, like, we're like we're talking about how people are groomed and 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 deceived, um, how kids are preyed upon. This is it. Right. So as we walk into that, I want everyone to keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, when he met her initially, she never had a boyfriend, which was very attractive to him, but she was promiscuous and that could be linked to her uh, being raped by her father. So she had that similar history that Fred did. Um, at the time that they met, she's living in a like home for troubled kids. So she has all that going against her already. And then she meets uh, up with this guy. And so I think before we, you know, we get into much where Rosemary and Fred are, are moving through life together, um, we have to go back and kind of talk about uh, Rosemary's upbringing. Now, Rosemary was born in 1953, November, on the 29th day of that month. Um, and she had... A childhood that, as it, we we already related it to Fred, was traumatic, right? She was a moody kid. She was depressed. She wasn't particularly an excellent student. There's all these things that we see. And when on the outside, when we look at kids who don't perform in school, usually there's a reason at home. And the issue at home is that from a young age, Rosemary's father had been assaulting, molesting, raping her, like, repeatedly. Mm-hmm. She grew up in a violent household, right, where her father was beating her, beating other people in the house. And so now when she, when we're having conversations, again, I don't want to have to pull over too, too much. But again, when we're talking about the sexualization of children, we have to talk about how we, they don't understand much about sexual intimacy until it's introduced to them. And with a young kid like Rosemary... Like her first introduction to something that again is one of the most like personal, private, intimate things about a human being was introduced by someone who was supposed to care for her, but also a person who abuses her, right? And also you have to understand that because kids are not wired to be driven by sexual urges like teenagers are, where they have a flood of hormones and their bodies are changing into adult bodies, like this is not something that they desire, right? It's not something you don't hear conversations about you know, teenage kids who are, like, lusting after their English teacher. That happens all the time. Kids have crushes on adults, right, as teenagers. And you let, and while kid, adults should not respond to those, it happens. Like, I had a crush on a teacher. Like, people, you do it, right? But kids are not driven by those same things, right? So you have to understand that it's uncomfortable, that it's unwanted, that it's probably painful. There's all these things that go along with it that she's associated with her father. Now, here comes Fred, someone who's she's if she's repulsed and disgusted by him like she's already and it could be that she's repulsed by most men right men are awful but this man is also left alone with his wife because his wife has left him and he is taking care of her his kids on his own again that is something that as a person who is either abused um neglected you know sees a a figure just doing the thing that you wish was happening around or near you or to you that is something that's attractive and so I just want to make sure that we are contextualizing. Rosemary's going to be trash 
as we go forward. Absolutely. Like I'm not I'm not justifying or saving her from anything. But I am saying that when we meet Rosemary, when they come, when their lives collide, she is a child. You know, and so like we have to we have to understand why those things are attractive to her. And also if we're talking about abuse, I know I'm being long winded, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that we're contextualizing correctly, right? If we're being if we're being honest with ourselves, abused people and we're talking about victimology, like there is a a desire to do well, right? And to to avoid the wrath or anger of your abuser, to do everything right the right way, right? Get it right the first time, to please people, so to speak, right? We talk about people pleasing being a response to to childhood trauma. These things happen, right? And so when you see a need where you can fill a role and you think you could do well and impress this person who is doing these extraordinary things, like the bare minimum parenting their children, like that is something that Rosemary is walking into. And so like, that is how I have read through this. And again, she's going to be awful. She is trash, yeah. wicked. I am not saving her, but I am saying like trauma upon trauma and she's being preyed upon. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, that is, if this was 2022, like between like once she's 15 and meets a grown rusty man, this is predator behavior. Right. And I mean, there was rumors of her also like, having sex with her brother when so she she already started that you know victims victimizing other people thing at home and then so crossing over (laughs) to uh fred and them meeting each other if you want to call it by faith or by nightmare i don't know who put that together who decided that was something that needed to happen but it did and so having these two highly troubled people together eventually starts a slew of a mess but she thinks, like you said, she's going to fill a role and that's what she starts to do. So she actually quits her job um, and then becomes a nanny for Charmaine and Anna Marie. Mm-hmm. Her parents hate this relationship, um, but who's going to listen to the people that abuse her? you, right? So her father hated this guy, mother hated this guy, um, but she ended up leaving the home for troubled teens when she was 16 and moving in with Fred. And literally the next year after, so she had to be either still 16 or 17, she ends up giving birth to the first child, Heather Ann, um, in its 1970s. Uh, two months later, Fred is goes to prison finally. He pays a consequence for the theft of car tires and a vehicle disc, whatever that is. So that means old girl Rose is basically home with the children. She does take the children to like visit um, Fred and jail, but she's basically home with the kids where I think at first, I don't even want to know. I don't even, it wasn't innocent. It was, it was something. And then eventually she becomes abusive towards Charmaine, especially. Um, Charmaine now, poor girl, was under the impression that her mother was coming back for her. She had hopes that her mom was coming back. This abuse would stop because she was going through a lot of abuse at the hands of uh, Rosemary. But her mother never came. And then suddenly, I think one day somebody came looking for Charmaine and Rose lets them know that Charmaine decided to go live with her mother and she's no longer there and no one ever sees Charmaine West again. 
when actual in actuality it was rosemary that killed her when rosemary informs fred that she in fact killed uh charmaine right it's it's reported that she says right that that there was an excitement in fred and what what that mm-hmm. means, like, they already knew at this point in time, like, we talked about how Rosemary has since moved in and all these things, and she's taking care of it. There is a relationship here already. She's pregnant. But we talk about the amount of, again, domestic violence that's happening in the house. And one of the reasons why Charmaine was frustrating to Rose is that Charmaine was not the the quivering, cowering type, right? Like, she was she was taking the beatings and wasn't giving her the gratification of watching her, you know, you know, shrink away and be afraid. And so those are things that were happening. Like, so clearly Rose was feeding off of this very, um, you know, sadistic, you know, sense of, you know, power that she had. She wanted to make sure that people knew that she was in control. And, so Fred had an idea of who this woman was already. He was, he was privy and witness to beatings before he got locked up. And so now he not only sees that she's willing to inflict pain on people, but she's also willing to kill people. And at this point, you know, Fred has already mm-hmm. also killed someone. So this is where this kind of right. um, this coming together of the of the traumatized minds happens, where he realizes like, oh, we are really this almost the same type of person like again these two i hate using the word broken to describe people because i feel like that's what a lot of you know folks do but these two like emotionally toxic Toxic. damaged people right traumatized folks are coming together and justifying their nature and they're encouraging and and like you know fanning the flames in each other and it's going to become dangerous Mm -hmm. from there in the beginning fred was like worried about Charmaine he finds out that she's in the cellar and like you said pure excitement um I found my match maybe I found my soulmate excitement um so he helps of course get rid of the remains um he dismembers her um and they eventually ended up burying her so dismembering was definitely something they did going forward here that was one of their MLs and that's what they did so we're now in August 1971, and I don't know if it's a mother's intuition, but Rena is growing very anxious about her daughter and leaving her daughters where with friend, and she's telling people that she's worried. She is going to go visit um, to see what's going on and demand custody of her kids. Um... And that was basically the last conversation she's had with the people around her uh, before she also ends up missing. So Rena goes, they know Rena goes to confront Fred and see where his daughter, her daughters are. And she ends up being murdered by the couple. Um, They believe it was strangulation. Um, They also believe that she was uh, sexually assaulted like um her daughter her body is also dismembered and placed into plastic bags and buried and that is the end of rena and what way to celebrate that 
in Fred and Rosemary's eyes than to only get married the following year, literally a couple months later, because it's January 1972, and they get married. The ceremony takes place in the registry office, so it's nothing romantic. Um, Yeah, type thing. Um, He says he's single at the time, which we know that... <laughs> he, I mean, he was because he murdered his ex-wife, and the only family member to attend was Fred's brother John, who acted as a best man. No one else was in attendance from their family, which I get it. And I think that wraps up about part one of these two lovely couples. <laughs> like we didn't tell them it was a part one in the beginning, but then we're like, oh, "Sorry, guys, it's a part one." Um. <laughs> I had a feeling, you know, I just had a feeling that it was going to be a lot because they have a lot of, and I did not even go into detail about all the things I knew about Fred. Yeah, it is, it is a, I said, I said it was going to be a profile heavy episode. Um, And so the next episode, we will lay into the details of the sex dungeon that gets built. We'll lay into how they met their victims, who, what the. Like, who they decided was victims, the the activities they got into outside of their killings, because we saw them engage in some incredibly high-risk behavior um, around that. And, again, the lives of their kids during this time. Because while they're doing all these out-of-control and chaotic things, they are also having to care for kids. Which, you know, we we already know where that that goes. So, wow. Part one, first episode back. Yeah. Episode 15, 15, wow, yes. 59. A little, a little rusty. Well, like, again, I feel like, I feel like it's like riding a bike. When I say like riding a bike. I, I mean, I think I banged same. this microphone like four times. <laughs> but when I, when I think about <laughs> it, like the first time I rode a bike in years was last year when I bought like my niece and I bicycles. Um, and the first time getting back on it, like I knew I could balance and I was balancing, but I was like really wobbly. Right, for like the first 10 seconds. And that's what I felt like this is. So part two, we are coming back full. Yeah. What did you do? Mode, firepower. Um, thank you guys for all the people who kind of hung out with us. I just want to say thank you. It's so, it's so cool that yeah. you guys are yeah. like, look, um, you didn't say you were ending it. So where the hell are you? Like you. <laughs> so I am all for that. Because there is a lot of questions. Do you keep going? Do you try to make it work in your crazy schedule? Like, what is it? But, like, when people are outreaching and they want you to, it's I, I appreciate it. I'm just happy to be. It's fun to be back. <laughs> like, podcasting is a lot of fun. But just, like, being, yeah. again, talking with a friend about the things that you're uh, you're interested in and being able to communicate. Like, we talked about right. this a million times from episode one to now is that the fun of this is the community that's been built, right? Being able to like sit and like hear you guys right. react and respond and critique or correct, like whether or not I receive it well is up to me. But I. <laughs> yeah. And I think Chanel and I both are right. I think Chanel and I both agree. Like we do this for fun and you guys right. keep it fun. You know, like it's never like a bad time. You guys enjoy what we have to say. You guys provide feedback and we just love it. Like you guys keep it fun because, you know, we have jobs. Yeah, say single. it. <laughs> this is not our like full time thing. And, you know, 
I, I just, it makes me want to sit here and talk to you guys. It's kind of therapeutic, especially when you have stressful jobs and multiple jobs and you're parenting and stuff like that. And Charnel and I have been through many transitions since the start of this podcast. So <laughs> we're glad you were here along with us, waiting patiently I'll, I'll take, <laughs> for us to fulfill our I'll commitment. i that word, uh, tra- a lot of transitions. Uh, like, that's the understatement of the year. <laughs> But, oh my god like thinking about like 2017 us versus now it's like shit <laughs> but when you think about the fact that five years ago this was a facebook status right i was like who wants to yeah. do a true crime podcast with me something that like to that and us being like these real frivoled weird people like just getting together to the fact that we've we've grown closer as friends we've traveled together we've mm-hmm. we've comforted each other and encouraged each other like we've lost people we've loved yeah. people like all the things that have happened that make yeah. us well first of all we're old and rusty now i'm gonna be 33 in a month and like a half we started this we were like so much younger and the world is full of hope so mm-hmm. we've been through a lot and because of that you guys have also been through a lot with us and we've we got to celebrate with you right We've got to celebrate new jobs, degrees, new babies, babies. right? Um, New adventures, new cities. Like, it's been so awesome being able to to call listeners friends, right? And and you that, some of you that trust us with some some intimate information, right? And and wanted to build community, but also the ones who like invite us to your weddings, but don't actually send the invites. I, (laughs) because I would have shown up. I would like I'm the type to actually pop up at a wedding, especially if it's an open bar. Like I would have been there, like with a gift, dressed well. It wouldn't be an episode without my laugh. Right. Thank you for the laugh. Dancing, <laughs> dancing with your aunties, you know, inebriated aunties, but being respectful, you know, and also help cleaning up. Like that would be me. So the next time anyone gets married, anytime soon, feel free to invite mm. me. Or if you need a plus one and you're in the New England area, look. I'm a great time, is all I'm saying. Oh, my God. But, oh, my God. How did we get to your, like, da- I feel like we're looking for a date for you now. Oh, How I don't we get need here? a date. No one wants to, like, you know, like, romance is the ghetto. Don't want any of that. <laughs> but if people wanted to find yeah. you to not romance you, D, where would they find you? Oh, my God. I haven't said this for a long time. You could find me on Instagram, uh, Twitter. I don't know why I'm Twitter more, but, yes, yeah, Twitter, Instagram. Graham, and that's really it at underscore d underscore isa and that's it yeah find me on instagram i'll say that like charnel b that's kind of where i spend my time i tweet and stuff like that but like i made my twitter private like two years ago when i was going for a new job and i just never unlocked it and then i started running for office and i'm like i don't even say anything crazy but like you never know so request the follow and i might look through just like instagram message me and be like look i requested you on twitter um same request the follow because i work for the government now and <laughs> <laughs> i gotta keep up an image right. so everything's locked we're down all trying, we're, we're all trying to be our best people on the internet as we should be you know so <laughs> somebody's gonna go dig, dig anyways uh we'll be back with part two yes stay tuned um, as Charnel says, keep your hands clean. Make good choices, y'all. It's so good to be back, and we will be back with part two soon. Take care. Bye.